Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. My name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Gateway and I'm part of the teaching team. We are walking through the Lord's Prayer in this time as we consider what the Lord is doing and how we engage with him. We come to him as his people and we ask in faith. The last couple of weeks we've talked about how we enter his gates. We come to him first with praise, saying thy kingdom come, thy will be done, holy and hallowed is your name. But now as we begin to move into petitions and we're asking God for things, uh, the, the tone kind of changes. We're, we're both admitting that we're needy, we're admitting that he's powerful, we're recognizing the fact that he's sovereign and that he is in control. In particular, this, this text that I have here today is give us this day our daily bread. This would have taken the Israelites' imagination back thousands of years into Egypt when God had just freed his people from slavery and they enter into the wilderness and God provides for them daily bread while they are in the wilderness into which he took them. I have two little dogs, um, one of which is really great and one of which is, oh, he's okay. Uh, but he, he's anxious and has these like weird kind of anxiety moments um, fairly inexplicably, but mostly he's not, he's not really just anxious. He just gets really scared of things. Like if I, they're both about seven to eight pounds, so they're not exactly uh, large dogs anyway. But if I take an Amazon package in and set it on the table, he trembles in fear. If I take out a pan to make some eggs, he trembles in fear. If he stops trembling and then I crack the eggs, he trembles in fear. It's like this sound thing. He's, he's afraid of new and loud things. And one of the things that he's unfortunately very afraid of is the dog door, which makes a lot of work. Sometimes we just prop it open so he can run back and forth, um, but it's the sound and getting smacked by the doors. They're kind of big doors. He's a small dog. Um, anyway, well, one of the things I found out that he's very anxious about recently is that he is afraid of the kettlebell that I took home so I can work out from home. I haven't really worked out from home before, but in this season, obviously I am. And so I get out the kettlebell, I set it down. It's kind of heavy. It kind of, you hear it hit the concrete through the house, but he'll, he'll tremble from inside around the corner. Uh, but one of the things that's crazy is that recently, just a couple days ago, we were working out outside, my wife and I, and the kettlebell was making him so scared that he w overcame his fear of the dog door and went through the dog door on his own for the first time. And we're sitting there in the backyard, look at Herman came out the dog door. What, what's crazy? And he's trembling in fear. We're kind of proud, but also not really because it's just a dog. But he, he comes out the dog door and he, he ends up wanting to stand right between my legs as I'm doing kettlebell swings. And so he's coming closer to the thing that's making him anxious, which is me. And it's simultaneously cute and sad, but I, I thought of actually Israel as we pray, give us a day of daily bread, that this is a good example for us of how when God is the one making us anxious, because he's the one in control of history, he's the author of all things, he's both an actor and the author of the story that is unfolding as, as days go by, that we are still called to come to him as father and bring our anxiety to him, and that's what it's all about. Say, give us this day our daily bread. It's admitting two things. It's admitting one, I'm needy, and my capacity to create and provide for myself is very low, and two, you, Lord, are the one who can provide. And even as we think about this coronavirus season, we think about Israel in the wilderness, it's, I want to begin by just noticing the fact that God takes people into the wilderness 
in a way that they are swept up in what's going on. Here, here are a couple texts, Exodus 16:2. The people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. God took them there. Job 2:10. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not also receive disaster? 1 Chronicles 21, 14. The Lord sent a pestilence on Israel and 70,000 men in Israel fell. Deuteronomy 32, 39. There is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. In Isaiah 45, 7. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. There is not one maverick virus molecule. God is sovereign over all of history. We may not like that that it is true, but that doesn't make it false. We're living in God's world. We're living in his story. And so I want us to be the type of people who like Herman, my dog. Go to the one who is making us anxious. Go to the one who says, I don't understand what you're doing here. And frankly, a lot of times I don't like it, but nonetheless, thy will be done. I trust that you see the bigger picture, the greater good, that he's writing some beautiful story that while we're in it, makes no sense. And it may not make sense for a long time, but on the last day when we see him face to face, we will know what he was doing and we'll finally be able to understand that the sovereign Lord of history is good and he's doing things that we don't fully understand. But in the, main, in the meantime, we're called to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And so here's the first thing I want us to look at in this text. Give us this day our daily bread is this idea of daily bread. Here's the question we need to ask. What do I need? Now, in a wealthy nation like this, our answer to that question is skewed because mostly what we think we need are just what big-time marketing firms have convinced us that we need. It's keeping up with the Joneses. It's lifestyle creep. Um, so many, some of what even creates our fragile economic situation is the fact that everyone lives at or above their means. That when tragedy strikes, we haven't we don't have any room to give. There's no margin. But what is our daily bread? It's different for everybody. Uh, to, so the CEO of a massive company, he, what, when he's thinking of, or she's thinking of daily bread, they're thinking of um, millions and millions of dollars because they want to avoid layoffs. When you're, thinking, when you're working in sales, your daily bread might feel like warm and good leads that you can follow up on that might lead to business later on. When you're a family of six, your daily bread is this big. When you're a single person, your daily bread is this big. But what do you need? What's your baseline what I need? Not my daily steak and eggs, not my daily seven course meal, but my daily bread. This is a season for us as a church to ask this question and press into contentment. In 1 Timothy, Paul um, says this, if we have food and clothing. With these, we will be content. Can you imagine how that would disrupt the American way of life as we know it if everyone suddenly became content? It probably, you know, it might mean very much short-term pain for our economy, but basically it would lead to long-term health. With these, I will be content. Proverbs 38 says, give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with the food that is needful to me. See, part of what God does in these situations is he creates the conditions that remind us 
of our dependence. Because in a very wealthy nation, a very wealthy situation, uh, our sense of what we need is very often skewed. Take time, think through it. What, what is our lifestyle? What is our daily bread? And I'm not saying that we can't you know, enjoy and spend in ways that receive as good gifts the wealth that he's given us, but at the same time, um, we need to be grateful for our daily bread and not feel entitled to anything beyond that. What's your daily bread? Do you need? Are you in need? Are you in touch with it? Because I think God wants us to ask. We, a lot of us, when we say, I pray my daily bread, I'm, I'm misunderstanding what we think we need. You might think you need this much, but actually you need this much. You might think you need that much, but actually you need this much. But God is not asking us to filter our prayers, but he's asking us to come and say, Lord, I cannot provide for myself in any ultimate sense. One of the gifts this coronavirus thing has given us is it has shattered our illusion of control and normal. That we are not in charge of our lives, but nonetheless, we are called to be faithful participants. And that is this next point I want us to get into this. Um, point number two. And give us this day our daily bread. Another way to translate that text is even give us this day our bread for tomorrow. One of the things that's key in the story of Exodus when Israel's walking through the wilderness that God provided bread from heaven, but they as participants had to go and pick it up. That God has provided, but we need to participate, that we need to engage the gifts that he has given us. Sometimes this even looks like saving or storing, but mostly it looks like getting to work and, and keeping. And one of the things the book of Proverbs actually does regularly is tell us to look at the ants, look at how they work, look at how they labor, look at how they go for things, and look at how in the way in which um, these ants work and harvest and work and harvest. And it also points to them as an example of saving for future shortage. Read me Proverbs 30, 24 to 25. Some things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in summer. See, I, growing up going to church, I heard both of these things from pastors, which is interesting. On the one hand, I heard savings accounts aren't biblical. You need to trust God to have your daily bread and give everything else away that if you have any surplus or storage, that demonstrates lack of faith. I remember thinking that and being confused because the Bible taught the opposite. It's holding up, it's holding up these ants as examples uh, um, to hold on to. The other thing I heard was you need to have seven years in savings because that's what Joseph did in the book of Exodus and if you don't pursue seven years of savings then you're not wise. And it's, but even Jesus in Matthew 6 says, look at the birds, they don't store up things, yet God provides for them. And then the book of Proverbs says, look at the ants, they store up things and they're wise. And so this is tension that we have to just inhabit as people that doesn't get resolved. How much savings is too much savings? At what point of being saving can I give above and beyond 10%? That's something that we just have to ask for wisdom for and pray and ask the spirit to guide our hearts and guide our families because this tension between how much savings and how much giving and how, when, when do I hit the point of just being crazy generous? This is actually in my own heart, in my own mind, I think about my parents, who my dad's a teacher, um, my mom didn't work, we had four kids in the house, um, big eaters, and so things were generally pretty tight. I mean, we were not poor, but we were not rich. At least my dad said we were rich, which is true on a global scale, but compared to at least the people who live in our street, we were not rich. Uh, 
But one of the things that the values that they had was that they would never hold back on inviting people over to dinner. And I remember we initially had this little breakfast nook thing that sat a handful of people. And my dad started saying, when we invited friends over for dinner and spent money generously, maybe that we didn't even have on, on feeding neighbors and being close to people. Um, he, he went to the, the store and bought a four by eight piece of plywood and just attached it because we couldn't afford a bigger table, but we wanted to have a bigger table. And so for 25 bucks, we got this big table. And this to me is just such a picture of the kingdom of God. This capacity to think with abundance, even in the midst of maybe being in a season of scarcity, to act generously, even when the bank account is not very deep. And that's an example I'm very grateful for. And I hope that we as Redemption Gateway can walk in this. How can I look for and have eyes for generosity, even as I'm doing this? And we might end up being the means by which God provides answers to other people's prayer. Part of what's confusing and can be confusing even for me is this idea of means. The way that God uses people and uses workers and uses jobs to provide and answer prayer. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize this and you might have heard the type of story where um, there's, there's two farmers. They're both praying for God to provide rain and a rich harvest. One farmer prays and does nothing. One farmer gets out and prays and works. And he plants seed, he tills the soil, he, he, he does all the work he's called to do. They both pray and they both ask God to provide rain and then it rains. And he asks, which person prayed in faith? The one who prayed only or the one who prayed and worked? That God ordinarily provides for us as we participate and he uses what we call secondary means. You know, primary means is like the way he created the world in the very beginning. He spoke and things came into existence. And every now and then God will work miracles that are inexplicable that he speaks and things come into existence. But ordinarily he provides through the, the work of his hands as it unfolds as time goes on. Martin Luther has this great quote about this and I want, it, want us to read it together. We ask God to give us this day our daily bread. And he does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain. The baker made the flour into bread. This is a season where I am incredibly incredibly grateful for um, truck drivers, supply chain workers, farmers who are getting the food where it needs to be in a season where it's kind of scary to do so. But we need to see those things and, and, and look at the bakers and, and the farmers and see them as means that God is using them as his hands and feet to provide for his people. That we can be the instruments that God uses to provide as we participate in what God is doing in the world. We pray and we work. Give us this day our daily bread. This day we go out and gather. This day we pray and work. This day we participate in what God is doing and don't just in slothfulness say we have too much faith to do anything. And here's our third point I want to emphasize here is this. Give us this day our daily bread. Imagine with me a scenario in which you are an orphan. Maybe you don't have to imagine that. Maybe this is true but you get adopted into this family with an older brother who is a millionaire and is generous. And then you grow up together and you get laid off because of your work. You might need to grieve. 
You might be very sad. You might be angry. You might be hurt. And you need to go through that process. But what you wouldn't be is insecure about will I have bread to eat? Because your older brother is rich and kind and generous and good. And this is something for us as Christians to recognize that we have all been spiritual orphans adopted into a family with a wealthy creator, older brother named Jesus and a father who's in heaven who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That we can be hurt and upset and angry and frustrated and nervous and anxious, but we should not be insecure about will I eat tomorrow because we are a part of a very, very wealthy family. God might not have given you the bread that you need for tomorrow, but he has given it to us. This is one of the things that we as a church need to be very good at, is we need to be very good at asking for help when we need it. People in our church have offered so much help, but very few have yet asked for help. A time might come next week, in three weeks, in four months, when you need help, please ask for help. If you say, pray to the Lord, give us this day our daily bread, and you don't come to your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, help me, I need daily bread, you're like the lazy farmer. I hope that we as a church feel no shame in asking for help because we know that every good gift we have came from God and that we didn't earn it in and of ourselves. In Deuteronomy 8, God warns, says, be careful lest you say, I have given myself this wealth because it is actually the Lord who gives the ability to create wealth. That we need to be a generous family who provide for one another's needs and look for opportunities to help meet the needs that we can meet because God has given us an abundance. But some of you, you, you may not actually be engaged in the church family because you're, you're just watching online. And I wanna say, I'm glad you're watching. But if you wanna actually get engaged in the church and become a part of what God is doing here and get to know your brothers and sisters so they might, in the future, maybe you don't need it now, but maybe you'll need it in the future, uh, you need to take our next online connect class and sign up and get connected. Jesus said it like this. He said, I am the bread of life. That God isn't just committed to providing for our physical needs through his creation, but he's also committed to providing our spiritual needs through the son who gave, who had infinite resources, and he gave of himself fully so that we could be a part of his family and so that we have this good high priest, this good older brother, Jesus, who provides for us and cares for us and welcomes us into the Father's household such that we don't need anything that God is not willing to provide. Do you believe that? Because it's true. I, I want us to be just like my silly little anxious dog, that even though we don't understand what God is doing, even though we don't maybe like what he is doing, in, in hindsight, in the new heavens and new earth, when we see him, we will understand that he has written the perfect story that maximized his glory and maximizes our ultimate flourishing. But in the meantime, we can't really trace or, or even see what he's doing, but we can trust that he is good in his heart. And so even though he's the one allowing this to happen and making it happen and causing the situation, we can go to him, our heavenly father, and say, give us this day our daily bread. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for 
providing through a variety of means. I pray for the people at home who need to ask for help but are feeling shame for doing so. God, I pray that they would recognize that Jesus Christ loves them and that we as their church love them, that you'd give them the courage and faith to ask for the help they need from the church. God, I pray for the people who aren't connected to the body, who maybe are watching here for the first time or the first couple of times, that you'd give them the faith and the courage to take that next step to get connected. And I pray for all of us who you've given us more than we need, that we would have eyes to see and look for opportunities where we can be your hands that meet the needs and answer the prayers of your people. God, I pray that you'll see how you use us, that you'll give us a vision for how we can be participants in both creating and giving away wealth. And God, I ask that in all this, our faith would be built. Even though you've brought us into this wilderness, that we'd see that you desired to provide for us in the midst of it. In the name of your son, we pray, amen.